Ah, good stuff. Love whenever Coach Stoops comes on. And, um, you know, all offseason we've been – We've been pretty scattered with the things that we've been talking to Coach about. Today was, you know, finally getting into some football stuff, right? Uh, pretty football-centric, talking about this OU football team and kind of what some of the stuff they're going through in training camp right now, uh, what he's seen from the team so far, been out to practice several times. So, yeah, um, awesome to have Coach on. And, yeah, I, you know, he, he said – because I asked him, you know, we've talked about this list of guys, true freshmen, that I feel like could contribute possibly. I asked him specifically, are there are there certain positions that you get a little hesitant or a little nervous about putting a true freshman out there? And he said no. Like the level of level of training, the level of coaching these guys are getting, plus most of them are early arrivals and you know, you get you get more time with them in in spring and summer than you did previously. So, um, I he he says they're more ready than ever. So there you go. Well, um, let's hope so because you listed ten guys you think have a legitimate chance at maybe not starting this year, but play some important snaps at some point in the season. Which that's that's quite a bit. I would say the only the only guys that I I think will actually be starters would be maybe uh Gibson and Anderson at wide receiver I think everyone else I even even throw the freshman the Jakes the offensive tackles in there are probably going to be role guys or like if something should happen they may get an opportunity I I could see a scenario where Javante Barnes is the starter at some point really yeah I could see that whoa I could see it Man, that is that's a big prediction right there. Is it though? Yeah. I feel like. What do you mean? Is it a true freshman taking over for Eric Gray, the guy that the staff has said all off season is a star? Yeah, but at the same time, I feel like if I ask any OU fan who's the one-two running back duo going to be this year, oh hell, it's going to be Gray and uh, that freshman Barnes. Who it's going to be? Like he's going to start the year. I. Likely as the number two back heading into the season. It's not like he's working as like the fourth running back or anything. You think Barnes is going to be the number two? I think that that's what most people would say. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, I, I think there's a real legitimate chance at that. You don't think Major's going to be the number uh, two? Don't get the text line started on Marcus Major. I already did this at 2 o'clock today. Well, okay, okay. and it sounds like – it's only taken a couple of hours, and you're backing off of, of the a, Marcus Major discussion? A couple of hours backing off of it? What am I backing off of? What are you talking about? You're saying that you think Javante Barnes is going to be the number two. Heading into the year, yeah. Yeah, that's my prediction. All I said today at 2 o'clock was, hey, Marcus Major fans, I've got some good news for you. Well, what was Here the good news? Here it is. Uh, Brent Vittable says that he is Im- impressing. He's had uh, the the past couple of weeks for him have been the best couple of weeks he's had since um, the the new staff has been here. So he's going to impress them right into that third spot. Yes, that's your prediction. Mm-hmm. That's right. Feel and, free to disagree at any point instead of just. Um, and the Barnes kid, who's been limited so far in training camp, is going to be the number two. Yeah. Okay. All right. Just saying, I, that seems like a bold prediction. I don't think it's 
Okay. I, I mean, I, I don't think it's super bold to say at some point he could be the starter. But Do you think at some point Marcus Major will be the starter? No. You sure? Mm-hmm. If you want to say something, just go ahead. I'm not. It, it almost seems like you want to be like, well, by God, I'll say that he's going to be the starter. Watch no. this. I, the coaching staff has been pretty resolute behind Eric Gray as yeah. the featured back. Sure. Now, obviously things happen, and everything goes out the window once the season starts. It's about production. So, I've just seen years – um, where we thought going into the year, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Like, it's clear this guy is going to be the leading rusher, and that doesn't always work out that way. 2017, I didn't hear anybody saying that Rodney Anderson was going to be the leading rusher Whoa. and one of the best backs in college football, and he became just that in 2017. You 2018, must have missed me saying exactly that, that entire thing. You did. No, you're right. In week 13 of 2017, <laughs> you said that Rodney Anderson was going to be the leading rusher. 2018, same thing. Oh, it's it's Rodney Anderson's backfield. And Kennedy Brooks, I believe, ended up being the uh And I did call that one. Again, in week 13, you did. Yeah. Well, I'll let you know who's going to be the leading rusher in November. Please, let us know. Um, TD Roof, out for the year, in case you missed that. Britt Vittables confirmed that today. Bicep injury, that's, that's tough. Uh, Jalen Redman back out at practice. He was dressed, had a recent concussion uh, situation, but he's back out there. So, yeah, well, that's good. That's one setback, but it feels like the overall vibe of camp so far has been has been pretty good. Any truth? I see this on the text line. Any truth to a former Oklahoma football player saying after watching practice that we have a long way to go on both sides? Who said who said that text line? Do you know who said that? Uh, lo- uh, ha- have a long way to go on both sides of the ball to be decent. Ah, uh-huh. I did not hear who said that. Uh, Please let us know. I don't know. That may be true. That may be true. And here's the thing: is um, there is no doubt that different people can see the same thing and come to a different conclusion about what they make of it. Um, so I, I don't know if it's true at all. I, I haven't seen that. I haven't heard who's referencing that. But, hey, I, I'll take that. I'll take that. There's no doubt. So we'll just, we'll just have to see. There's, there's been some things that I've seen that look really good. There's, there's been some things that don't look as good. But – you know, whenever I was up there as early in camp, fully expect them to continue to get better. I mean, no one looks perfect a week into camp. Um, so. Yeah, I please tell me, text line who said that, I'd be interested to go back and see that. I did not see that on Twitter. But what I did see on Twitter last night is um, the refs got a Twitter army. We have a full-blown Twitter army. Oh, really? That if you talk smack on us, oh, buddy. <laughs> The Army is going to come after you. Well, yeah. There you go. I don't know if you saw this last night or not. but I did. Oh, boy. There were some people uh, getting after some others yesterday. I did. So, I get, so what – have we gotten – have we figured out what went down? Like, not that we need to spend much time on it, but I guess Jim Traber was talking trash about our uh, radio station yet again. 
Yeah, I, look, I, I didn't, I didn't hear it. Um, but this te- or this tweet from Sarasota Sooner, Traber still taking pot shots at at the K ref has me wanting to never listen to at Sports Animal at all. You know, it's not shocking at all that Jim Traber would be taking shots at us. The, oh, dude, he has been doing this for a hundred years. He's trying to discredit someone that's better than him. It's the oldest play in the book. He doesn't know what else to do. When he runs out of gout conversation and old uh, baseball stories, there's nothing left. So what do you do? You just start personally attacking people. It's all you got. I am going to play that <laughs> from now on. Every time we uh, mention his name, I will play. <laughs> the gout time. guy? Is that what we're going to start calling the I'm, gout guy? I'm down with that. Yeah. Listen, it's, when you've got nothing left, what do you resort to? Personal attacks. I mean, that's it. That's all it is. And I love it. I love that he. No, that's great. He's Let's go, scared man. Of, of what our station is doing, of what the listeners are saying. I love it. It's good you stuff. You know, and it was complete validation last night on Twitter when, I mean, out of the over, over 100 comments that were on that tweet, it was like, yeah, dude, it's the ref all day for me. Like, there's no other option. You know, we don't talk about golf all day long. We don't talk about NBA. We just, we talk about college football, OU football, and that's what everyone was saying. It's like, yeah, you listen to the ref. There, there weren't a whole lot of people, really anyone that I saw, taking the side of uh, that station yesterday in the comments, which – I appreciated Ref Twitter Army and to any other host that's out there. I said this with Parker today. Please, I invite you, take shots at us. Take shots at me. I don't care. But just keep us in the mentions here so the Ref Twitter Army can continue to destroy all on social media. It's very entertaining, and I have a lot of fun seeing it. Coming up in the final hour with Trey Burr, 30 minutes of gout followed by 15 minutes of 1978 baseball. So, tune well, in. you got to talk. Oh, and then 15 got, minutes of Thunder Summer League. And, and the Phoenix Suns. I'm sure it'll be mixed Phoenix in there. Suns. Someone said uh, WWLS is the Facebook of sports radio <laughs> on that. <laughs> and I cannot get over how amazing that is and how accurate that is. Oh, <laughs> man. The Facebook of sports radio. That's good. I'm, I mean, seriously, like roll through there, and it's like a commercial for us, basically. Thank so, you, guys. Thank you. So, like, thanks, Jim. Honestly, like, thank you. I don't know what you said, but thank you for doing that because it just showed, just continues to show so many other people that what we're doing and what we're about, it's great. If I was him, I I wouldn't take the – it just never is going to end in a positive way for me. All him. right. I don't, let's not waste another second on that station, okay? But the Facebook comment was awesome. That was great. Um, tell me about this fifth uh, – or this uh, five-star that we got from Adabare. Tell me tell – The me Rivals updated their, um, their player rankings, right? and he, he, um, he jumped in the Rivals rankings, which jumped his composite ranking, which means – the composite ranking for 24-7 sports, it's, it's a combination of their own rankings, of right. rivals' rankings, 
of on three rankings, and I don't remember if they still do ESPNs or not. But it's just kind of the average. Like, they have their own rankings, but here is a combination and average of what every other service thinks about him. Right. And in the average of what every service thinks about him, he that's where he got his fifth star today. Right. And, you know, it's impressive. Whenever you look at the the top five players that we have in the class right now, um, they're all top ten at their position in the country. Um, Jackson Arnold, number five quarterback. Uh, Adebare, the number six edge. Uh, Petaway, the number nine wide receiver. Caden Green, um, number ten uh, offensive lineman. I don't know if it's guard or tackle. And then the Jacoby Johnson kid, the athlete out of Mustang, is, um, I guess, the sixth best athlete. And all of those guys, top 100 players. Yeah. You've got, what, six top 100 players? One, two, three, four, five, six top 100 players. Uh, More on the way, by the way, just to let everyone know. More on the way. And I still believe that several guys on this list are going to get higher evaluations as – as they roll through this uh, this final season, um, I think the McIntyre kid out of Nebraska, the McCarty kid out of uh, McAllister, uh, Picciotti that's going down to IMG Academy. I think Josh, ba- I, I I know Josh Bates doesn't play high level. You know what people would consider high level high school football. He's right. in Durango, Colorado, but I mean I think he's a guy that you should be really excited about. Big kid, going to be a guard here, tough offensive lineman. I, I, I think there's a lot of classes that you look at, and I think OU has fallen into this trap before, where you look at like the top five guys of a recruiting class and you say, wow, there's a lot there. But once you start to work your way down towards a recruiting class, you say, eh, it gets thin pretty quick. And sure, OU has some three-star players in this class, but I tend to think, man, that a lot of these three-stars are – Guys, if they just really evaluated well. I was reading a story in the Tulsa World today about Eric McCarty, and I think it was his coach that said, look, you know, he plays high school football at McAllister, but if he plays high-level high school football in Tulsa, he's probably got about 50 uh, Power 5 offers right now. Yeah. So I, I would tend to think that, yeah, get excited about the Jackson Arnolds and P.J. Atabaris in this class, but I think that there's some guys down on this list that are going to be really good football players. Now, I don't know if Parker Thune is drinking the Kool-Aid or what, but yesterday I just started jotting names down that he was talking about. And he he had, I think, on everyone except for one guy, he had a 40% chance that they come to Oklahoma. Everyone else, it was better than 50. But it was like, Hicks. Yeah. Uh was it is it Malachi Coleman? Yeah. The edge guy. Uh high four star in Nebraska, right? Uh he is yeah, 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 yeah. Um he, he probably said to Celia O'Connor was pretty high. Yeah. He's another defensive guy. Edge guy. Macari Vickers is a four star safety at a Tallahassee. I mean yeah. he, he's committing this month. He's gonna pick. OU. Yeah. Uh the Bowen kid from Notre Dame. What do you what do you give on that? I can't remember. It was he's a he's a five star as of today. Notre Dame commits fifty percent or yeah. or higher. Yeah, so he's been committed to Notre Dame since I think New Year's Day. Got his fifth star today. Yeah, yeah chance there. Uh, Jordan Renaud. Jordan Renaud. Jordan Renaud, and then 
the other safety out of Denton, the Yates. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Seven defensive players, all four-star or better, that he thinks Oklahoma has a better than 50% now, chance. it does sound crazy, yes. <laughs> but at the same time. That's what time, I'm saying. I don't well, know if it's Kool-Aid well, or. Well, what, what the, well I, I, I don't know. But what they've been able to accomplish so far in this class, like, you can't doubt it. There's you can't something say, to be said you about can't say for a hundred percent certainty. There's no way, like whether it's unlikely or not, what they've proven up to this point, you can't just say that they're out of any recruitment that they're in. They're just that they're they're in on it. I mean, getting David Hicks this soon is, I, it's if, amazing. If they can get Hicks, Akana, uh, uh, either the Coleman or the Renault kid, Renaud yeah. kid. I'm always going to say Renault on that. Um, That's, you mess up at every other name, so why would that be any different? And then the Vickers kid at corner, and then one of the, the safeties, either the Bowen or the Yates kid out of uh, Denton. Like, that is – that's incredible, and that's got to that, – that will probably most likely plant you inside the, the top four or yeah. three, well, right? I, yeah, it's what I said with you today is they're the number six overall class right now. If I had to pick, is it more likely that they're higher or lower? I think it's more likely that they're higher inside the top five. Wow. Yeah. Inside the top five, first class, uh, defensive five stars, multiple defensive five stars in the first class. Um, right after the former coach says you just can't get talent here. Uh, it's beautiful. Yeah? God, it, mm, I mean, that – that comment, for some reason, I know why, but that really just, oh, God, it, it annoys me. It gets me pretty pumped up when I hear that. Yeah. But it, it's going to be the highest ranked class of the modern era for, uh, for OU. And just it, it's not stacked at one or two positions. They didn't get three five-star wide receivers. They've got legitimate talent at every single level on both sides of the ball. It's an awesome class, man. Nope. All right, we're late for a timeout. Quick break, more gout conversation coming up on the other side. It is the rush live on the ref. We're the homeless Sooner fans. Tyler McComas, Teddy Lehman. That's the uh, Unnecessary Roughness podcast hosted by a Texas A&M and Mississippi State fan. I play that for one reason and one reason alone. I just, 18 days before kickoff, all right, we're ready for the season to start. I just want moments like that to stew in everyone's mind, okay? Yeah. I just want moments like that to be fresh in everyone's mind when OU rips off a roaring 6-0 and start and the rest of the country is mm. like, oh, huh, huh. Maybe we, maybe we, uh, me a little bit wrong about the 2022 Oklahoma Sooners, or when they go on and win the Big 12 championship and end up in the college football playoff. I just want people to remember things that were said this off season about them. That's all. You're awful confident about that six and zero start. Yeah, I actually more confident about the Big 12 championship than I am the six and zero start. Really? I got out. Yeah. Hmm. I think that. Um, that stretch in what late September, early October. That's that's a pretty tough little four game stretch. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you've got at Nebraska, Kansas State, at TCU, and then at home against Texas. Um, we we talked about this a little bit yesterday. The at Nebraska game. 
I think there's a chance that you know if, if a lot of stuff falls into place for Oklahoma, they could go win that game handily in Lincoln. I also could see it going down, you know, to the end being a uh, just a, a tough football game, hard-fought football game. But I do think that there's a chance our offense is just too much. Now, right, this team is – Venables is pounding the message home day in, day out um, about the details, about, you know, going to work every single day. But still – if if they were to go to Nebraska, knowing that Nebraska came to them a year ago, and you know it was a one score game, Nebraska had the ball late, had some opportunities, um, we just couldn't separate from them, and knowing that Nebraska's now at home playing in front of their seventy five eighty thousand, they've got a quarterback that threw five touchdowns against you a year ago coach that is on the hot seat coaching for his job, right? if you can go win in that environment and do it handily, it, it, shows, it shows some growth to us, by the way. Well, and it's going to show it to them, which that's what I'm. my point is. It wouldn't shock me if they thought, oh, man, we're good. Look how much better than we were a year ago. We won nine straight games last year, and – Look what we just did to the team that played us tough last year. We went to their place in this atmosphere and just beat the doors off of them. Yeah, we're good. And you got Kansas State coming to town the next week. Like mm-hmm. That, to me, seems like a dangerous situation if you were to to go like, – because those are hard lessons to learn about you know, perspective and, and you know, listening to the message from the coach. Like, I – I pick. I think they beat Nebraska, and I think they beat Kansas State, but I think that 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 could be a dangerous situation. I get the sense here you're more worried about the Kansas State game than a Nebraska game because of the interesting spot on the schedule that it falls in. It's a sandwich. When it's not. A, I guess the Texas game isn't the next week. You got the TCU game. You got right? TCU on the so, road. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, it's just it's it's in a weird spot. Yeah, it, I just think the Nebraska game. Like, if you go up there and you're in a dogfight against Nebraska, I'm worried less about it. You know what? Like the almost the best situation. I, I see your point here. It feels like the the best situation would be almost a carbon copy of the 2015 Tennessee game. Start a little bit slow yeah. offensively get down, and then find a way to rally a miraculous comeback, and boom, that kind of that gets you going for the rest of the year. The problem is this Nebraska team, like that Tennessee team was nationally picked. Like that was going to be the yeah, – that was the sure. hot, trendy breakout pick that year. So you kind of – you got something for that win. You're not going to get anything for the Nebraska win. No, regardless not, of yeah, what their yeah, 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 yeah. the record is and coming into it, and that's been my uh, big complaint. One of my big complaints this off season is Texas, Nebraska, and Texas will both be tough games. You're going to win those, and nobody's going to care, and you're not going to get any credit for it whatsoever. It's crap, and I blame those two teams and what, those two programs. What do you think? Do you think Texas will be one loss team coming in, or no, dude? I am. Um, 
I've never been high on this Texas team, and my thoughts about them are trending down. Woo, buddy! Uh, you, one loss. I'm starting to think that they're going to go out to Lubbock and lose before they even get to Dallas. You know, or here, lose somewhere else. And here's another thing: I'm starting to, I'm starting to think West Virginia is going to be better than they're going to get credit for. You better think the quarterback's going to be good. Well, it's more about their like Graham Harrell has had a lot of success offensively. Um, like JT Daniels and and Graham Harrell know one another. I just I I don't think they're they're not going to compete for the Big Twelve. Like I don't think they're going to compete for the Big Twelve or really get close. But they're going to win some games that people don't think they have a chance to. And you know they may. I, I'm trying to remember the start of their season is tough. And like their whole schedule really is tough, and like they start off at Pitt, and Pitt's a good football team, um, and then they've also got to play at Virginia Tech before they play Texas. And they could know, win both of those games. They could, but they could also lose both of them, and they could come in as a two-loss team to play Texas in Austin. And it wouldn't surprise me with Texas with the OU game looming the next week if West Virginia went in there and beat them. You know, yeah, it's it's stuff like that for for West Virginia. I, again, I I don't think that they're going to compete to win the Big Twelve, but I think that they could have a dangerous team that could catch an opponent or two slipping where they're a, a pretty sizable. I underdog. know we've said it multiple times, but it holds up, man. Um, Texas, they got to have a great start to the year. Or else, Bijan Robinson in mid October. Mm, man, I don't, I don't know, guys. I don't know if I should uh, play this week. I'm draft eligible at the end of the year. We already have three losses, and it's the middle of October. I can just see some real quit factor in that program, which wouldn't be the first time. And not only is a great start to the year, I think that they need to have a great training camp. Like the negative vibes, the negative feeling is already around that football team and they haven't played a game yet. And let's not act like they've really ever, but especially now, are a program that can deal with any sort of adversity at all. Once adversity sets in there, they, they fold real quick. Yeah. And it's already it's already set in. Right. I, I will be interesting to hear uh, the reports coming out of the uh, practice tonight at DKR in front of the fans. No doubt. Even though uh, Sark said it was going to be pretty vanilla. Uh, I see this text. Can you imagine what comes across Sports Animal text line during Traver's show? Yeah, probably questions about the gout. Uh, someone should text him and say that if he wants to finally come join the big leagues, maybe we can find an intern spot for him or something here. Damn, get what him kind of cream you use for that gout on there? <laughs> you know what happens with me? Every time I travel, that gout kicks up for me, so... Just take it easy whenever you're getting out and about. Um, I'm not lying about this. Teddy is my – he's he can see it too right here. He's my witness. Former animal producer here. It's K-Ref all day for me. <laughs> nice. Yeah, well, as a producer, probably sick and tired of fielding those, uh, those text messages all day, which so is fine. There, if you're into the nostalgia thing, I get it. So I get it. There's, there's a lot of those texts, which uh, – no, we, we appreciate that everyone's made the switch and uh, – Better days are uh, still to come. R- real quick, um, kind of around the country, uh, scrimmage notes, DeColdis Crawford, best name in college football, has an NIL deal with an AC company in Nebraska. Mm-hmm. The uh, commercial spot's pretty awesome. He's going to be on an extended period of time. Like that's, I've mm. got some questions with Nebraska, but that might be number one. I, I don't know who their big-time playmakers are. 
Like last year, they had a couple of giant tight ends that they could throw the ball to. Right. But who were their burners on the outside? Who's their game breaker at, at running back? I don't know if they have one. Well, they didn't have one last year really anywhere. I'm trying to – did they hit us for an explosive play last year at all? I don't remember it. If it I feel if it like happened. it was just both teams inching the ball around the field. Um, I could be wrong, though. Notre Dame's got a lot of injuries, man. They're piling up. Yeah. I hate to see it. I hate to see it. I, I like starting the season. I want – not just starting the season. I want everyone at their best the entire time so we can see what everyone truly has to offer. I hate the injury stuff. I know it's part of football, but it stinks. Hate it for those kids, too, that have put in a ton of time only to have it uh, taken away here right before things get uh, At TCU, there's some scuttle that – The Morris kid? <laughs> He's a stud, man. Yeah. Might be QB1 over Max Duggan. Okay, let's roll. Well, he's gone from just having a big package here at OU to possibly possibly being the starter at TCU. That's impressive. Unbelievable. Can we please hit a break on that? Not just a big package guy anymore. He's (laughs) actually a starter. All right, quick timeout. More from the rush coming up. couple of segments left. Stay tuned. Riverwind Casino and Hotel bring you the final hour of the rush. Tyler McComas, Teddy Lehman inside the Brown O'Haver studios. We'll get to the Air Comfort Solutions text line this segment, 405-651-3439. But first, I've got college football's 13 highest paid head coaches entering the 2022 season. You tell me if they're overpaid, underpaid, or if their salary is dead on balls accurate. At number 13, the head coach... At Penn State, it's James Franklin. He's going to make $7 million in 2022. Overpaid, underpaid, or is that dead on balls accurate? It, I, I think they – I think they could have possibly gone a different direction for the same amount of money, but they're scared. They don't want to fall back into irrelevancy, and they're in one of those situations where he's got them in a tough spot. I mean, I, I understand where they're at and why they paid that, but man, they're in a they're in a bit of a purgatory. It's situation. like, come on, the guy is, you know, I, I think he's I think he's a a good motivator. I think he's a good recruiter. I I think his his head and his plans like he's he's in the right place on everything but man let's go yeah yeah let's go uh jim harbaugh michigan 7.05 million which could only be a salary that's intended to be just a little bit higher than uh, james franklin at penn state i think they i think it's kind of a similar situation you know he just got him into the uh the college football playoff won the big 10 I mean that's that's big. Beat Ohio State like, is highly thought of as Michigan is. Like, that result right there, it's been a long time since they've pulled off something like that, right? Yep. So I think that he's probably underpaid. 
Lane Kiffin at Ole Miss, $7.25 million a year. You've got to be kidding me. You know, I have my problems with Lane Kiffin, but I think he has learned some things over the years. I think he is he's putting more on his assistants. He's he's stepped away from the day to day, like the offensive coordinating part of it and everything. The one thing that he brings value is he makes Ole Miss a destination. What forget what you think of him and how good of a coach he is and some of the things that he's done and how he can be totally absent on his team at times. He has made Ole Miss a destination, and it's constantly in the news. That's worth a lot of value. Mar- I think it's uh, dead on balls accurate. Mario Cristobal at Miami, $8 million this season. Dead on balls accurate. Dabo Sweeney, $8.3 million. He's the ninth highest paid head coach? Interesting. Okay. It wasn't very long. He's the ninth highest paid coach, and it wasn't very long ago whenever he hit that number and people lost their minds. Yeah. Right? Um, I think as of right now, you got to say he's worth every penny. I think he's underpaid. You could make the argument that he's underpaid, especially whenever you're about Judging to start by, yeah, some, reading some off other, some of the names right. here in a minute. <laughs> yeah. But – he this is a this is a big year for him, right? It is. Losing some coordinators and coming off of um what is now a down year at Clemson, a ten and three year. That's how big he's been. Jimbo Fisher at A and M, nine million dollars, which is less than what he paid for last year's recruiting class, if that matters to you. Nine million dollars, which he gets paid a penny for every word that he says in the offseason. <laughs> okay. And that's that tunes up to nine million. Talker, fast talker, um, just keeps going. He's got some Alex Jones in him. Uh, I I think he's overpaid. The results have been, you know, it was better when he first got there, but they've plateaued. You want to you wanna claim that you're worth $9.5 million a year or whatever it is? You got to at least win your division. David Shaw at Stanford estimated $9.25 million this season, and it's hard to remember the times when Stanford had a really good football team. Underpaid. It's tough to go to practice every day and be the 50th smartest person on the field. That's true. And you know, go out and lose week in, week out. And have to have to stand there and deal with Several it. Several are tied at fourth. Ryan Day at Ohio State, nine and a half million. Mel Tucker at Michigan State, nine and a half million. Brian Kelly at nine and a half million. Uh, there's three. Uh, I think Mel Tucker's really good. I think Ryan Day. Eh, you better show me this year, dude. Better show me you can stop the run. Brian Kelly at LSU. That's a little. That's too overpaid for me as well. Mel Tucker is overpaid, but that's not his fault. He he hit a really nice season, and the timing was fantastic. Michigan State was, you know, they're in desperation to be relevant again after having made the the college football playoff in what the second year? Uh, yeah, yeah, same yeah. year OU was yeah. there the first time, twenty fifteen. So they're they're just they're trying to get back into the thing. They felt like they had a lightning in a bottle. They snapped off nine and a half million. Probably overpaid by by some measure, but they've got a good coach. And Nick, that's going right, man. Nick Saban's the arguably the greatest head coach of all time in college football, 
but he's currently the third highest paid head coach in 2022. $9.75 million, hashtag underpaid. He's telling him, save your money and throw it in the NIL pot. Lincoln Riley, second highest paid head coach in college football at an estimated $10 million. Well, I would say that... Overpaid, just like the taxes that he has to pay out there on the West Coast? Yeah. He, he's, he's in a group of coaches that have uh, won championships, um, been a part of, of, you know, at least been a part of teams that have gone to championships. He's never, he's never been there as a player, as a coach. Nope. So that's, you know, that's the one thing that is, is striking about it. Kirby Smart at Georgia, highest paid head coach in college football, $10.25 million in 2022. He just got a new uh, contract just a couple of weeks ago. Kirby's won one, played in another as a, as a head coach, um, won several as a coordinator. Mel Tucker has been there at least once as a coordinator, didn't win it, but he's been there. Um, obviously, Saban's won it. Uh, Ryan Day has been there. Uh, Brian Kelly has been there as a head coach to a national championship. Um the coach Jimbo has won one uh, as a, a coordinator and as a head coach. Like everyone in that group, like there's a guy that stands out, and it's Lincoln Riley. Yes, it is. But hey, I still think he's an excellent coach, and that's the going rate, man. Text line says Teddy saying Jimbo has some Alex Jones in him made him die. If you don't know who Alex Jones is, well, you get a good idea here. Uh, yeah, so and that is Jimbo Fisher, yeah. like like yeah. you said. And before you have a chance to rebut that statement, he's already on to the third statement from that. <laughs> and it's just as fast as he can get it out of his mouth and keep moving. It's doing really loud. And it's just it's all. I'm done with him. I'm I'm done with it. You want to see how God makes his eggs? Go 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 over there and see how he does it. Over easy. <laughs> all right, quick timeout. More from the rush coming up. We'll wrap things up next. <laughs> 